<laughs> the second reading is from the book of Hebrews. And you can find it in the Church Bibles on page 849. Uh, it's chapter, Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 to 7, the high priest of a new covenant. The point of what we are saying is this. We do not have a, such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by man. Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, and so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest, for there are already men who offer the gifts prescribed by the law. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle, see to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is a mediator is superior to the old one and it is founded on better promises. For if there'd been nothing wrong with the first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. Exodus chapter 30, starting at verse 17 and going to, through to verse 21. And you can find it in the Pew Bibles on page 59. It is Exodus 30, sorry. It is not Exodus 27. It is Exodus 30, verse 17 to 21. And I have no idea what page is on in the few hours. <laughs> there you go, 62. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a bronze basin of its bronze stand for washing. Place it between the tent of meeting and the altar, and put water in it. Aaron and his sons are to wash their hands and feet with water from it. Whenever they enter the tent of meeting, they shall wash with water so that they will not die. Also, when they approach the altar to minister by presenting an offering made to the Lord by fire, they shall wash their hands and feet, so they will not die. This is to be a lasting ordinance for Aaron and his descendants for the generations to come. As Jordan comes up uh, to speak to us, I... Get rid of it, we've got two microphones. Jordan is very well known in the evening service. She's been preaching for a number of years in the evening service. And as she has uh, been attending Bible college this year, uh, we have uh, undertaken to help her in her ministry training. And it's great to have you to be able to preach to us this morning as well, Jordan. So thank you. Thanks for having me. Great. Hey, guys. So nice to see you all. Um, some faces I haven't met, some I know really well. Um, everyone, it's really nice to see. And we're going through the book of Exodus at the moment and talking a bit about the tabernacle. And I was reflecting on it and I've been reflecting on it for a number of weeks now. And, and I'm not sure if you've been here with us, but um, there are some very ordinary items. We've had a, a barbecue. You know, we, we, we've, got, um, uh, we've got very ordinary items, curtains, you know, very simple things that we, we find in the, in the tabernacle. And, and if you're a bit like me, you may have been sitting there thinking, this is all a, a little bit 
ordinary, you know, for, for, for a most high God. It's all a little bit ordinary. And, and I was reflecting on this and thinking about the tabernacle and, and, and I'm just reminded that our God uses very ordinary things to show us his glory, to show us what the kingdom is like. Our, our Jesus takes seeds and says, the kingdom of God is like this little seed. Or, or he takes a child and says, receive the kingdom of God like this child. So it is sometimes very ordinary things that show us a picture of what the kingdom of God is like. And if you're listening to, to Jimmy when he read Exodus 30, today we're talking about a bath. We're talking about a bath. It's a bronze bath. It's a bath on a stand. It's a priestly bath, but really, it's a bath. It, it, it's water in a bowl, but God uses this very average basic item and everyday item to reveal to us a mysterious and beautiful spiritual truth. So we're going to get in that today. Why don't you pray with me as we start? God, we love your word. We love that you take very ordinary things and, and show us your mystery through them, that you don't expend us to supersede our humanity, but you meet us where we are. And we thank you, God, for the privilege that it is to open your word and to understand more about you and to understand what the kingdom of God is like. Thank you so much. Help me. Amen. <laughs> Who had a shower this morning? Okay, that was, that was better than the... No, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's better than I thought. Um, if you didn't have a shower this morning, I hope you had a shower last night and I hope that at some point today you're going to have a shower. Okay. More important question, who cleaned their teeth this morning? Okay, I'm not judging those who didn't raise their hands, it's fine. Uh, no, you should clean your teeth. Um, but we live in a cleanliness-obsessed culture. We are the most clean we've ever been. We are so clean, we've got Ajax spray and wipe for our surfaces. We've got special cleaner for our cooktops. We've got floor cleaner, we've got teeth cleaner, we've got hair cleaner, we've got car cleaner for the inside and the outside. We've got gumption. Okay, only those who have gumption at home know how great gumption is. <laughs> yes, thank you. Testify. I'm not kidding. If you have, they're not paying me to say this. If you have a stain, gumption will get rid of it. I promise. We've got Omo. We've got nappy sand. We can clean everything. And our world is so clean. Manly is clean. Manly loves to be clean. We've got, we've got people that hose the pathways every day just in case there's, you know, dirt from the day that's come off on it. We live in a cleanliness-obsessed culture. Just a quick sweep of your house will show, not even you necessarily, but the culture is obsessed with being clean. I like to be clean. I, I like my clothes to be clean. I like two showers a day. I I'm, I'm promise I'm stringent about cleaning my teeth, but there is one thing in my life that I just can't seem to keep clean, and that's my car. And it's actually, it's, I'm, I, I've stopped even trying to clean it. I just say, I'm sorry, my car is messy. That's the way it is. My car, uh, my, my bedroom might be in order. My clothes might be in order. My face might be in order. But my car just doesn't seem to ever get there. And that's sort of the way that my life goes. Um, but we are obsessed with cleanliness. There just seems to be this one problem that we have that we can't seem to get clean. 
That's our random thought that pops into our head that puts someone else down. Our words that come out that surprise us with our judgmentalness or, our, or, or the filth. When we know we should help someone and we just decide not to because we can't be bothered. This is our inner dirt and we don't seem to be able to do anything about it. It's inherent. Our moral filth seems to be inherent no matter how good you are, no matter how saintly you are. There's this inner dirt that exists inside of us. And I think our world recognises that we have this inner dirt that we need to do something about. And there are two ways that our world seems to cope with this inner dirt. The first is that we try to scrub it to the best of our ability. So we try mindfulness. All of these are good things, but it's not going to fix us. We try mindfulness. We try and be aware of our thoughts so that we can tame them. That might, that might minimise our dirt, but it definitely won't get rid of it. Or we try positivity. We try to be positive. You know, we, we, we go on exercise routines because healthy body, healthy mind. You know, we, we, we pour hundreds of thousands of dollars a year into trying to, to make ourselves the best version of ourselves. But unfortunately, what seems to happen is that those, those remnants, that dirt that is left over, because we so badly want to be clean, we kind of just, when we have frustrations or we, we have negative thoughts, we kind of just like shove it away. We don't deal with it. We shove it away and we sweep it under the rug. It's like when you're about to have someone over and the kids have made a mess. They've made a mess and you don't know what to do and you've got T minus two minutes until people arrive and there's paint all over everywhere. And so you just sweep it all up and you put it in the miscellaneous drawer. We all have a miscellaneous drawer, don't we? Where we just, what even is in there? And, and we, don't, we don't clean it out, right? It just, it gets swept in and it gets hidden. And then the miscellaneous drawer builds up over time and it builds up and it builds up and then all of a sudden it's spilling out and you've got all of this junk that's spilling out of this drawer that you haven't cleaned out. This is like our mind. We have this inner dirt, this, this moral filth that, that we don't know what to do with and we press it down but then it comes out in weird ways like road rage or snapping with your children impatiently or, or criticizing your spouse. It comes out in all sorts of ways because no matter how hard we try, we can't sweep it under the carpet. The second thing we might do to try and get rid of our moral filth is we just own it. We just wear it because we think it's too hard to get rid of that we just kind of try to, we, we accept it and we, we, we just say, that's who I am. So our selfishness gets masked as, I'm just ambitious. Ambition is not a bad thing, but when selfishness is masked by ambition, it is. It's our, it's our filth that is being masked as something else. Or our pride, our, our pride in our own gifting gets, gets masked as, I just want to excel in my field. Now, wanting to excel is not wrong, but when it's our pride that is masked as wanting to excel, it's a problem. Or how about this one? Our laziness just gets masked as, I'm a low capacity person. You're, you're laughing because that's real? It's a real thing. I have the spirit of the risen Christ living in me. I have power to heal, to raise people from the dead. That's the power that is in me. That doesn't sound like low capacity to me. 
And yet my laziness has me thinking, oh, that's kind of just too hard. See, we have all of these, 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 this moral filth that exists inside of us and we might call it something different and wear it as a badge, but it's still the same thing. It's still filth. And our world wants to get rid of it and just doesn't really know how. Our world is concerned with cleanliness, but it can't clean itself. You, me, we can't clean. We have a problem. We can't clean ourselves. And God is utmost, it is of utmost importance that we be clean for God. It is, it is his, uh, a focus of His attention that you and me and the world around us is made clean for Him. Why? Well, because God Himself is clean. He is beautiful. He is holy. He is perfect. And us as un- unclean people, if you, if you heard when Jimmy read it, if you enter the presence of God unclean, you die. That's a problem because God wants us to enter His presence. And yet in our own natural state, we cannot enter the presence of God and still stay alive. But God is desperate for His children to get into His presence. So what do we do about it? We wash ourselves with a wash basin, a spiritual wash basin. He puts a wash basin in the middle of the tabernacle and says, after you've, after you've been saved, after your sin has been burned, you need to be purified. And so you walk through the waters and you are cleansed. It's a physical bath, but it's not a physical act. It is a spiritual act of admitting your, your impurity and allowing God to cleanse you so that you can walk into the most holy place of the presence of God. It's not enough to stay at the altar. It's not enough to just say, my sins are, my sins are, are forgiven, I'm fine, I'm right with God. No, you've got to step from the altar through the waters. Allow yourself to be cleansed and renewed. By, by the Holy Spirit so that then you can be pure enough to enter the presence of God. See, if we stay at the altar, we miss out not only on our own renewal, but the presence of God. We miss out on, on the renewing of our mind and our heart. If we stay at the altar and we don't pass through the waters, we don't participate in this renewing, this, this washing, rebirth, renewal that Titus talks about, then we, we, we miss out on the benefits of actually being a Christian. Sure, we might be saved, but we still live with bitterness and jealousy. We still get frustrated when someone else gets promoted over us. We still think someone else's kids are doing better than ours. We still wish that we had someone else's house or someone else's vacation. We still have judgmental or critical thoughts. We still show favoritism because our mind is not being cleansed and renewed. You might be saved, but we need to be cleansed. And that's what we find in Exodus 30. Exodus 30, it is the priests that need their hands and feet washed in the basin. It's not enough to just have a shower. They are spiritually washed. Their spiritual hands and feet are washed. Now, why only their hands and feet? Well, because these are the cleanest dudes around, right? They're the priests. They are the mediators between humanity and God. So they, they, they keep all the cleanliness laws. They are the most upright. They are, they're the nicest dudes, right? They've, they've, they're, they're the, if anyone's going to be clean, it's going to be them. And yet God says, even you priests, even you who mediate between man and God, you are not clean enough 
are on your own to enter. And so your hands and your feet must be washed because our regular interaction with the world, our regular bumping into things, you know, it, it, we, we, get, we end up dirty. You had a shower this morning, but I sure hope you're going to wash your hands before you eat because you probably touched things, your steering wheel in my car. <laughs> guilty. Um, You've probably touched things that have made your hands and your feet unclean, no matter how clean you are. And in the same way, the priests were the cleanest, and yet they still needed their hands and feet washed in order to enter the presence of God. So this is is Aaron and his sons. They had to wash themselves before they enter. Now, it's interesting, and I think when I first read this, you might be like me. You might see this, this whole kind of washing experience as religious tedium. Like, oh, you know, shame. They had to do that. They had to go through all of that back in those days. That sucks for them. It's so much easier for me now. I, I'm, I'm, I'm clean, right? But, but let's understand that this washing experience for them was not religious tedium. It was not a chore. It was a privilege. It was a privilege for them. Out of all of the nations of the earth, it was Israel that God chose to reveal himself to. And then out of the millions of people in Israel, it was these three priests that could wash themselves and be made clean enough to enter the presence of God. This is an honor and a privilege that they could be washed to enter the presence of God. This isn't religious tedium. It is a a beautiful invitation into intimacy, into intimacy with God, to know God, to experience His presence and to experience His presence with the purpose of then taking it outside to to show the people, to to see the people. So that the priest could show the people what the presence of God was really like because they were the only ones that were allowed in. And this text acts as a, a sort of hyperlink, right? So you get sent an email, there's a link in it, you click the link and it opens up all these other web pages. Have you ever done that? A couple of you? Not everyone. That's fine. You understand the concept. You click the link and it opens up this whole thread, right? And so that's what we do here. We click the link of Exodus 30 and it opens up all these other web pages, this thread of cleanliness that goes throughout the Bible. Because we see that time and time again, you can be saved, but still need to be cleansed continually. Take the disciples, for example. They're Jesus, they're his homeboys. They're, they're the people, they're in the closest proximity to him. They're hearing the, the, the intimate secrets of kingdom detail. They've been baptized, they've been dunked in water, their, their old life has been died, they've been raised to new life. And yet, before he dies, Jesus still grabs them and says, I need to wash your feet. I need to wash your feet. Peter's like, no, Jesus, you're not washing my feet. And Jesus says, if I do not wash your feet, you will not participate in the kingdom with me. You will not. Doesn't matter how close you are to me. It doesn't matter how clean you are. It doesn't matter how saved you are. You need to let me wash you because there is dirt that you pick up from walking around and I need to clean it for you. Jesus needs to clean his disciples. And in the same way, you and me, we are cleansed by the blood of Jesus. We are made clean. We are made right with God. Our sin has been burnt on the altar behind us. And yet we stand looking at a wash basin, reminding ourselves 
we need to be cleansed consistently of our daily impurities, of the dirt that we pick up around. There's this beautiful passage in Ephesians 5 where Paul is actually talking about husband and wife. And it's uncertain sometimes where he's talking about um, the man and wife, and and where he's talking about um, where he's talking about Jesus and the church, and and he says this. He says, just as a husband gives up his life for his wife, right? So husbands give up your lives for your wife, in the same way that Christ does for the church. And he says, washing her through water with the word. So Jesus' continual washing of us, His bride, His people, comes through the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, like it says in Titus, through the washing and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So us as the people of God are continually washed day by day through the Word of God by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Let's imagine it like this, though. Word of God and the Holy Spirit is like a river of clean water, which is continually cleansing and renewing our minds, removing impurities, flooding our minds so that we can be clean every day. But then what happens when you start to, to, to block up this river, this river of clean water, where we start to forsake the promptings of the Holy Spirit and we decide that we actually don't want to, to correct ourselves in the way that the Holy Spirit is asking us to correct ourselves or we, we don't want to deal with our pride or we don't want to work with that person or we don't want to be patient in this moment and, and, and our Bible sits there for a day and then two days and then three days and then a week and then it's been months or, or we've only picked it up every now and then. The river stops flowing. It becomes like a swamp. Stuff dies in a swamp. And then before you know it, you're sitting criticizing someone else and all you can see is their, 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 their issues that they need to work on because your mind is not being renewed and you're not seeing them the way that God is seeing them. And so your mind, your mind has forsaken the renewal process and you might, your sins might be forgiven, but you're not passing through the waters. Or you find yourself just wracked with worry all the time. You're worried, you're fearful. Your life becomes characterized by what if this happens and what if that happens and I don't know about that and, and what about this and don't do that. Even though we're called to an audacious faith, a faith that trusts God, even when it doesn't look like we can trust Him. We're called to a life of faith, but because we've stopped allowing our minds to be renewed, our mind isn't being conformed to, to God. We're becoming conformed to the world around us, which is racked with worry. The river stopped flowing. Our mind becomes like this, this dirty swamp. Or the good words that you used to say to people to encourage people, you don't say them anymore because you don't have anything good to say about someone else because you don't have anything good to say about yourself because you've stopped listening to the Word of God. And just like the priests that are are washed, they take a bath, but it's indicative of something spiritual that's happening. It is not enough for us to just sit and open the Bible and read it. It is not a you ver- just looking at one verse on you version and not meditating out and not thinking about it and walking off 
and not giving any more thought to it, that does not renew your mind. To allow the Holy Spirit to, to, to come to the Word of God humble, ready for it to change you, allow it to sweep over you, wash over you, allow your mind to be transformed and conformed is an attitude of your heart. It's saying, God, I don't want my dirt. I want your cleanliness. It's an attitude of our heart. We cannot go through the religious motions or it does become a chore. If the priest lost what was at the other side of the waters, then washing would feel like a tedious religious chore. But they knew that on the other side of the waters was the presence of God. It's the fullness of joy. It is perfect peace. It is life in abundance. It's not having to worry about where your next meal comes from because you know your God is provider. It's not knowing, it's not worrying about your sickness because you know that your God is a healer and you know Him personally and you know His presence. This is all waiting on the other side of this renewal of our mind, the removal of our inner dirt. And so you might be sitting here today and you're like, oh, yeah, I've got some dirt I need to deal with. I've been sweeping this under, you know, my frustration, I've just been sweeping it under the rug. I haven't been dealing with it. And now I've got an issue. It's producing bad things in me. My laziness, I've just been, I've just been wearing it. And I've, I've let it own me. What is it for you? Because nothing is too unclean for the washing of God. There is no inner dirt that you, His washing is better than gumption. <laughs> Believe it or not, it is powerful. And there is not, it says, even though my sins were as scarlet, He washed them white as snow. There is nothing that is beyond His cleansing. There is no inner dirt that you have that is, not, that is beyond His cleansing. He is powerful. He so desires for you to enter into His presence, to enter into the fullness of the life that He promised. And it's on the other side of the washing. So do not forsake your daily washing, your daily renewal, your daily commitment to having your mind renewed and changed by the power of the Holy Spirit through the reading of the Word. Because He does want to change you and He will change you. Because that's His promise. So why don't we just take some time now. Take some time to, to, to ask God, what, what dirt is in my... Maybe it's been so... Maybe it's like the miscellaneous cupboard, right? And it's just something that has not been opened or cleaned out in a really long time. And you need to actually look inside your heart and say, what is actually in here? Where am I showing favoritism? Where am I judging people? Where am I not putting in the effort? Where am I complaining? Just take a recce of your heart. And, and between you and God, give it over for washing. And won't He show you? If you bring it to Him, He will show you what it looks like to enter into His renewed mind. Take a few moments now.
a Psalm of David, Psalm 51, when he was probably at his lowest place. He committed both adultery and murder. Like he's not doing well. And this is the word that he says. He says, cleanse me with hyssop, God, and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and block out my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. God, we thank you so much that you love us. You love us so much as to give us the gift of being washed. This ordinary wash basin. This ordinary wash basin is bath. Through it is a beautiful miracle of spiritual cleansing that you offer. And that was only temporary until your son's blood would would pour from the cross that would be our cleanse once and for all. And then the precious gift of the Holy Spirit, which continues to renew us day by day. God, we pray with humble hearts, would we not escape this washing? Will we not be so prideful in our hearts as to think that we are already clean, but God come to you every day, just desperate to be cleaned by you. Desperate to know abundant joy and perfect peace so that your river would run through our thoughts like a, uh, your Holy Spirit would run through our thoughts like a river and cleanse us daily. That we might not be reflections of ourselves and our insecurities, but be a reflection of you and the life that you have given us and the life that you died to give us. Thank you, God, that you wash us, that we stand pure and clean before you. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.